Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. How? What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this, what the fuckers, what the fuck buddies, what the fucking ears, what the fucking engineers. Nah, that one didn't work. I don't care. Whatever you want to call yourselves, this is Mark Marin. You are listening to WTF. I am still in Atlanta. I've been here since, uh, well, it doesn't matter what the date is because you might not listen to this in the relative time necessary to appreciate the date, but I've been here for four days. It's been a long trip. Before this, I was at South by Southwest in Austin. Before that, I was in Brooklyn at the Bell House. It's been a great week or a week and a half of shows. It's been good travels. I'm ready to get home. I miss my cats. I'll admit it. I'll admit it. But today's guest uh, in the garage is Adam Carolla. It took a while to get Adam to come over to the house, but uh, we finally sat down and had a talk. Very interesting when two guys who live on microphones talk to each other on microphones. I hope you enjoy that conversation. But as I said, I am in Atlanta. I am sitting in my hotel room. I'm looking at a free souvenir, a, a small glass bottle from the world of Coca-Cola, which is literally across the street from where I'm staying. The world of Coca-Cola is the world. Coke is it. Coke is the real thing. I'd like to buy the world of Coke. Oh, man. Did my brain get fucked or what? I couldn't help myself but go over there. As some of you who know, uh, any of those of you who uh, read my book, I made a journey to the Coca-Cola Museum back in the day before it was the world of Coke. And I had quite a powerful experience there. Uh, an experience that perhaps I should be ashamed of because I go to these places. You people have listened to me for a while. I go to these places w- with a certain ironic disposition, not unlike the Creation Museum. I went there with an ironic disposition. I was going there as a statement opposite to what that museum was trying to put across. I knew that I re- re- represent. Whoa, whoa, my brain just skipped like a CD. I went there knowing that my ideas and brain represented the opposite of what they were trying to present, and that is why I was there. I was an ironic experiment at the Creation Museum. Now, it's a little different with the world of Coke, because as I get older, my sense of irony starts to diminish in terms of what I can and can't condescend to. It's not that I necessarily have empathy for Coca-Cola, and there's part of me that knows that Coca-Cola represents one of the big, awful corporate entities, certainly one of the most prolific and malignant and well-spread corporate tentacles around the world and maybe even into space. Who knows where that secret formula came from? Coca-Cola is one of the great, evil, but great American corporations. And I have to be honest with you. When I saw the Coca-Cola world right down the street, there was no ironic detachment whatsoever. I thought, I want to go there. I have to go there. There's something drawing me there. There's a power much greater than me telling me to go to the world of Coca-Cola. I know what's at the end of that tour. A big, wonderful room full of soda machines where I can get my own soda and I can taste every Coca-Cola product from around the world. I can spend as as long as I want in there just getting free sodas. I have to go in there. It's going to be great. And that was the way I felt. 
But then I also had the feeling of like, dude, you know, come on, this is a, you know, Coke kind of evil. They've done some bad shit. You know, they busted some unions down in South America. You know, they've, they've sucked up a lot of groundwater in farming communities, and I believe in India. You know, they got busted on their water product in the UK for being cancerous. I mean, they're not, they're not and, and on top of everything else, dude, they seem to have fucked your brain, but good. All right? The red, the white, the Coca-Cola, the little white stripe. Look, I'm not even a big Coca-Cola drinker, but I remember the difficult times back when new Coke came out and regular Coke was not going to be around anymore. The panic that set in with me and my roommates at college, you know, stockpiling boxes of the old Coke because it was important to us. It was, it was what drove us. We were in the Coke machine, and I mean that mentally. I remember that. That was a tough time, but there was only so much you could stockpile. And then, they, then new Coke tanked out. We were happy, and then we got classic Coke, and I was even more into it then. Man, did they fuck my head. Oh, my God. But I had to go into the world of Coke. No irony, just respect. That bothers me. It bothers me because I was willing to make concessions. You wait online with hundreds of people. I was surprised. Hundreds of people to go to the world of Coke. The one thing I did know was that there's nothing in this building. There's nothing in this building but a celebration of advertising propaganda of one of the great evil American corporations. There's nothing else in there. Why is it so popular? I don't know. Because everybody loves Coke? Because everybody wants to get a free soda at the end? There wasn't even that big a line at the aquarium across the way, which is one of the biggest in the world, the aquarium in Atlanta. And in there, people could actually learn something about animals, about the environment, about oceans, about fish, about the future, about science. No, man, let's go to the Coke place. I want to go to the Coke place because uh, that's cool. Coke is cool. I like Coke. Maybe get a hat. But there were hundreds of people. It was like a Mecca. It was like a consumerist Mecca. It was like consumerists who believed in consumerism were going to pay respect at one of the great corporate shrines of a great product. And I knew this going in. And you walk in, you walk into the first part, Where's my little book? Here's my little book. World of Coca-Cola. You walk into the first part, and that's the lobby. And then you just sort of, you stand around, and you look at these great big Coke bottles that were from around the world. They were artworks. They, these, the Coca-Cola company contracts some of the most talented artists in the world to do everything for them. It's amazing. I can't blame that artist for selling out. I mean, if you get offered millions of dollars to do a Coca-Cola commercial and use all of your skills and tools of collage, animation, filmmaking, sense of humor, why not? Yeah, I'll tell you why not. Because I believe it. I believe because of you artists who do the work for Coca-Cola that Coca-Cola is a wonderful thing, a magnanimous thing, an, an, an all-encompassing thing, a truth, a universal truth. This is what you're supposed to learn when you go to the Coca-Cola Museum. This is probably what you already believe, even if you think Diet Coke is bad for you or Coke is bad for you. I don't drink a lot of Coke, but I believe that Coca-Cola is a universal truth. How do I dismantle that? So you walk into the lobby, there are pictures of people from around the world. This is the theme of the Coca-Cola Museum, is that they want you to believe that Coke transcends national and international conflict, national and international boundaries. Coke transcends all. Coke is all-encompassing. Coke is truth. It is an idea. It is a product. It is a reality. It's not even vague. It's not like the Creation Museum where the propaganda is trying to, to sell you bullshit that has been disproven. It, it, the propaganda at Coke is to get you to believe that Coke is the best soft drink in the world, and it is the world. 
And the, the one thing they have to show for that is the bottle of Coke that I'm holding in my hand right now. So on some level, it is not bullshit. I'm holding a Coke. The bullshit is, is that I believe this is the greatest thing ever at this moment. Coke. I'm dying to open this Coke. So there's pictures of people from all around the world. There's all this artwork. And then you go into a place called the Coca-Cola Loft where you're surrounded by a history of Coca-Cola production, uh, propaganda, advertising. It gets vague, you know, the difference between propaganda and advertising. Just the history of Coke posters, of Coke bottles, of Coke machines, things that I just walk by as being old things. And then you go into the Happiness Factory Theater, the Happiness Factory and you're shown a very long extended version of that amazing animated commercial that Coke did with all the weird uh, bugs and flying things and mutant sea cucumbers and aliens. And I, I couldn't even figure out what was going on. But I did notice that one of the giant floating sea cucumber type of things when it was being washed by other weird beings actually had six nipples on its underside that were all pierced. And I sort of in my pride of that artist that artist made a decision to pierce the nipples of the weird alien being in the coke commercial thinking it would go unnoticed but i appreciated that because i thought to myself isn't coca-cola an american thing isn't there something uh, uh dis disturbing to most mainstream people about pierced nipples i thought that guy was being a rebel in presenting that but then I realized that, no, Coca-Cola is for everybody of all kinds, of all beliefs. It doesn't matter. Man, I was drinking the Kool-Aid. I was drinking the Coca-Cola. And then you go from the Happiness Factory, and you get to meet the Coca-Cola polar bear. I wanted to get my picture taken with the bear. That was ironic. I, I knew that my presence next to the bear would be ridiculous and contrary and opposite to what was really supposed to be going on there. But I was happy to be hanging out next to the bear. I saw him as part of my business. This is a guy in show business. He's got to put a head on and a suit and sit there and sweat. But he's putting on a show. May, I'm not sure he's happy with his choices. And then you go into the Coca-Cola Connections room, so you really understand how far-reaching Coca-Cola is. And then, and then you go into the, the, the milestones of refreshment. What is that? You just walk through the history of Coke. You find out that this guy Pemberton had this secret recipe. They really hang on to that. What is that secret recipe, and was Pemberton Satan? Was he Satan? Coca-Cola is bigger than anything I know. Did he make a Faustian bargain? Was it just cocaine? I don't know. Then you get to see how Coke is made. You go through a little bottle factory, which is impressive because, you know, American industry, back when there was American industry, was impressive. The one sad thing about the Coca-Cola bottle works is that not one human being there, no one loading anything, just one dude at a control board, several machines, making the bottles of Coke that you will take with you on your way home. And then you go upstairs into the taste-it room, and you get to taste things from around the world. I think it promotes, not only does it try to promote unity under the great banner of a product, of a corporate logo, of something larger than God, but it, I think it promotes racism in a way because it's hard not to walk through there tasting things and at some point going, oh my God, that's disgusting. Where's that from? That country's stupid. How could they like that? But you try, and actually I didn't really have that experience. The experience I had was, that's interesting. They have a different taste than we do. It was working. It was working. I walked out believing that, oh my God, Coca-Cola is some sort of truth. And this is exactly what the free marketers want you to believe. It's exactly what global capitalism is about. That this is what, this is what works. Monopolies. You have to have loyal faith in a product and build that faith so everybody believes in that product all around the world and they just keep shoving it into their dumb heads. Just sugar water, making fat, rotten teeth. But it's, it's bigger than any of us. 
It's bigger. And I thought, this is awful. This is awful that I have these two sides of myself. I have the side of myself that wants to drink this Coke and enjoy it, maybe pour it over ice and just slam it down. And there's this other part of myself that thinks, oh my God, we are so fucked. Because this is really what global spirituality is about. The consistency of a brand. The consistency of a corporation to keep shoving that brand into our heads. Both of those sides operative. And then in the last thing, there's a... There, well, it wasn't the last thing, but there was a theater where you watched a few Coke commercials. I'm trying to manage these two sides of me. And I see a, an older couple, maybe in their 60s, just sitting there in this theater together watching Coke commercials. The man's arm was around the woman. She was leaning on his shoulder. And I thought, how bad can it be? Those people are, are enjoying it. This brand makes them feel grounded. It gives them a sense of history, a sense of transcendence, you know, a sense of connection to other people around the world. How bad can it be? And then the other side of me goes, dude, shut the fuck up. It's bad. It's fucking sugar water. It's a racket. It's hucksterism. Ugh. But I think the most powerful thing that happened to me is that after drinking sodas from around the world, compulsively excited, running from machine to machine, cutting in line to drink melon soda, pineapple soda, some strange tonic called Beverly that makes your face wince. Sodas from South Africa, from India, from South America, from Russia. I don't know if there were any Russia sodas. But when I left the Coca-Cola Museum, or the world of Coca-Cola, with my single bottle of free Coke, the commemorative one from the world of Coke with the secret formula that's making me want to drink it right now. As I walked out, I had the worst gas pains. My stomach felt upset. Something felt wrong inside of me. It was bubbling and churning. And I knew that I just had to start burping or else I'd be in trouble. I had the, the global world of sodas in my stomach. And they, it was unsettling. It felt bad. And then I started burping and I felt better. And those burps were the burps of global unity under the all-powerful banner of Coca-Cola. Just a little burp floating up into the air to mock God. So, uh, all right, so you made it over here. Yeah, you can hear yourself. Yeah, this is it's yeah. I, for some reason, I I don't uh, I don't I can't quite figure it out why. But uh, I was nervous, really, a little, little intimidated. Why? I don't know. You know, I've done your show twice, and there was always a lot of. Uh, I always got the feeling that for some reason there was just a, a small group of fans that we share, mm-hmm. and then there seemed to be two teams. Yeah. That that there's a few people that are like, come on, you guys, you, I like both of you. And then there's definitely Corolla people, and there's definitely people over here. Well, I'll, I'll apologize in advance for the Corolla people. I've actually called them Corolla tards. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I, uh, I <laughs> felt bad about that, but... You, you know, I, it's a business where, for some reason, there has to be some acrimony between folks that are in the business. You and, feel and, that? Well, it, look, it's it's a very natural thing. Like Dr. Drew yeah. hated every other person with the name. He hated Julius Irving for for the love of Christ. I'd explained to him that he wasn't actually a doctor. Right. It's like Dr. Phil, oh, yeah, 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 Dr. Yeah. Law, please give me a break. And every single when I was a carpenter, 
you know, if any carpenter ever showed up right. to your house, they'd yeah. go, oh, Jesus, what hack worked on this house before you should have his fucking hands cut yeah. off? Yeah. Now, now I've arrived. But there's a competition thing. But it seems to me that you and I, for some reason, are seen as uh, two different male archetypes. Is that possible? I mean, you come here. This is my life. I've been to your garage. I look at cars. I don't understand them. Yes. This is what I live in. These are books I haven't read, but I do read them occasionally. Right. Well, you're. <laughs> I think you're an artist, and I'm not. <laughs> is that what it is? I think that's what it is. Because I think that, like, the last time I was on your show, I, you know, I felt like you know, we connected, we had a good conversation, and then I realized, well, we have a lot in common. We're both guys, but then there are these people that try to pit us apart, and then I realized that maybe... Like, I did this thing I was talking about the other night that I don't know who you were in high school, but there's still part of me that if I see a kid in a letter jacket, there's part mm. of me that goes, oh, fuck, be cool. Just don't look at him. All right. Well, I, you know, I had this thing where I was an all-Valley football player in high school, but I never did get a letterman jacket because it was like $72, and that was way, <laughs> right, right. way too rich for the yeah. Corollas. And also, I, I never wore my jersey on Friday, which was game day. You're supposed to wear your jersey to school, you know? And yeah. I didn't really participate in so that. So you weren't a dick? No, I really, I, I loved football. I was pretty good at it, but uh, I never I never was a jock, per right. se. Yeah. And uh, I ended up getting class clown and a all Central Valley in football. So I had a nice, uh, you know, renaissance yeah, 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 uh, yeah. mix going on. And then, but my life was always so humbling. My my family was always so humbling. My situation was always so humbling that I, I never had an opportunity to get an attitude about it, anything. And then did not, or and should have, but I never overcompensated the other direction by that's, being a I dick. Think that's the one that I always had problems with. It was always overcompensating. Those guys were always just dicks for no reason. And they I, all turned out ugly. I always just had, well, the, it's it, when you have that kind of testosterone, the male pattern baldness is right behind the biceps. <laughs> and then <laughs> you, there's, it's, it's not a coincidence. What it's, it is, true. is you eat, yeah, you you still continue eating like you're doing two a day, you know, two so, a day workouts. There's a reason those guys look like that. I went to my reunion, my 25th, and I couldn't have felt more gratified well, that, you, that some of these dudes just turned out just fat, thick, bald, and ugly. But do you ever see those guys yeah. that like they're Armenian guys or the Israeli commando types, huge hairy forearms, hair, hair yeah. all over, On hair everywhere, yeah, but sure. they're yeah. right. Bottom soles of their feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just not ha the end of their cock, like you hair. You see shaving eyeballs. lines on their forehead. Yeah, yeah like yeah. you're not sure. Like, oh, by the way, when they're shaving and it goes down to their neck, yeah. they just stop at a certain point and then and there's it a circle. Creates the a collar. <laughs> yeah, the collar. It's of essentially hair. like someone took the head off a bear suit. Right. That, that's, but, but, but yeah. bald. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah. It, yeah, it's got nothing. It's too much testosterone. But I, I, you know, I, I just don't understand. Like sometimes, like, uh, you, you know, when people assume that we're different, and I guess we are different. We both do what we do. I mean, what, what made you decide? Because this, you take this takes a certain amount of ego to do this, mm -hmm. to be on the mic. Sure. And you know, we have. I think we have more in common than some people are willing to let on. I mean, people say that you're a sexist, you're this, you're that. But I mean, I don't. I, I hear you discuss this stuff honestly from your own point of view. Yes. And and I don't think that I don't think you would see yourself that way, would you? No. I I I basically look at myself as a guy who's entitled to his opinion based on the experiences that he's had. Right. And uh, I don't want to stifle myself. I also I don't have any dark place in my heart for any group or any gender so i'm thus free to speak my mind right about those groups you know and those that genders. about yourself that, i mean that's something you're, there, you're there's a certain freedom in not knowing you're an asshole 
<laughs> it's I've liberating. Always, I've always known that I'm an asshole. I know the thing. That, no, what I mean is like you know that politician that's gay yeah, and uptight yeah. right. in, in a loveless relationship yeah. and having sex with male prostitutes sure. and all. He's the guy who has to put the American flag on his lapel and Hi. the cross right, and talk right. about the family values yeah. and all that stuff. And when you just see a picture of that guy, he doesn't look like he knows who he is, and he's sort of doing his impersonation yeah, of yeah. what a sure. politician would look like sure. if he actually loved his wife and right. had carnal yeah. knowledge of her and, and things like that and he's just a, a frightened broken fucked up guy right who's Hi. but who's stuffed into an mm-hmm. expensive suit Pretending, and who's yeah. never never been a picture of him where he's been yeah. uh, unshaven and right. his hair's been out, out of out of place sure. you're talking about most uh, republicans right for me <laughs> i'm just a guy who i don't have a care in the world as, as it pertains to women Men, Mexicans, blacks, Asians, like I, sure. I, I, I like everyone and don't like everyone. Just sort of, right? Just sort of equally. Yeah. And thus, I'll just give you my opinion. I don't have to stop and think like the politician. Where hold on, I chug Check talk yourself. all right. the time. So this new, this new <laughs> legislation that's coming down, I should overcompensate yeah, and go this direction. Anti cock. Yeah, I yeah. don't, I don't think that <laughs> yeah. way. I just say what I, what I observe and what I feel. I think that's a, an important point. That if you know in your heart that you don't have hatred towards you know, you know these specific things, which would, uh, which would give you the ist name whether it's racist or sexist or anything else that if you know then you're going to speak and i speak my mind the same way but occasionally you'll piss people off oh yeah because we talked about that thing with gallagher you you know i personally i don't have any problem with how people express themselves and the problem i had with that guy was and i talked to you about on your show was that he wouldn't own it and then when i pushed him it became clear that he was it Right. And and that to me is disingenuous. I mean, I think most guys I know who talk about race, who are talking, you know, in what could be seen as a negative way about women are really just expressing their minds and they usually own their opinion. Well, also, the proof is in the pudding in terms of how many women have I ever raised my hand to in my entire life or how many black guys have I fired because of the color of their skin? I mean, at a certain point. I always say to people, it's like accusing a guy of being a killer, but there's no body. Like, I don't care. We've all contemplated, you know, shooting our nutty neighbor when yeah. he wouldn't turn the fucking ranchero music sure. off at four in the morning. Like, we've all had these homicidal yeah. thoughts. We've you all know where I live. Yes. You were lucky. We might see fireworks tonight. Uh, right. We've all. Well, look, you got to celebrate a soccer win any way you can. Soccer. off shotgun, what have you. The point is, the point is this. We've all had these thoughts right but but if you don't act on these thoughts then you're just a human being that never murdered anyone yeah and as far as being called a racist misogynist whatever unless you run a business where you have a policy where you don't let people of color into the front door or a golf right club or you're uh, you know physically taking you know your ike turner and you're beating the shit out of your old lady well then then it's just sticks and stones sure. at, at that point. Do you, you know think what I'm that saying? There's, yeah, absolutely. Do you think that at some level that there's this idea, and, and I believe it's true to a certain degree, that, that some in, in airing it out and talking about it uh, you know, does disarm some of the, the hatred or some of the, you know, the, the bad opinions about, about race and, and women and that kind of stuff, and, and it relieves some of that tension. But there's a fine line between that and, and sort of maybe escalating it in the wrong type of brain. Well, if you know, if you put a you know a joke behind it, it's nice. Uh, but it's also hard as a white male to dis- you, you don't really have license to talk about. We're other, not the victims here. Other folks. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, you see, does it, that bother you? 
Well, my feeling is is an opinion's an opinion. Sure. You, you don't have to be on the Pittsburgh Steelers to break down the game film and have a discussion about what went wrong on Super Bowl Sunday. There's no reason you can't be coached. I can coach them up from my <laughs> living room, you know? Yeah. And that's the way I feel about life. And, and by the way, I have been a victim of racism and discrimination myself just living in Los Angeles. I, when I was 18, 19 years old, I, I had no direction. I was completely rudderless. I barely graduated high school. But you never went the art route. See, I, I was pretty rudderless, but I'm surrounded by books. You never thought I'm I gonna... couldn't read. No, I was I was sort of functionally illiterate. Really? Yeah. And and so I had no education and I, I didn't I didn't read. I didn't how get did that, lost how in did the that word. Happen? Uh I was a product of the 70s, and I went to this sort of free-range Billy Jack hippie school. Really? A lot of finger painting? Finger painting, dirt clod <laughs> throwing, and things like that, throwing throwing shit on. I mean, I can tell you the difference between a slab pot and a coil pot. Sure. Oh, I, know, yeah. I, know, I know everything about a potter's wheel. You were given the goods to be an artist, Adam. Right, but I never was handed a book, and I didn't want to read. I was so insanely uh, physical when I was a kid that all I wanted to do was wrestle and chuck dirt clods and play football and get guys in headlocks. And it was like, that's all I wanted to do. And I went to a school that said, hey, man, let your freak flag fly. You, like, you whatever you want to do. Did you frighten them? Were they yeah. like, he's a problem? He's aggressive and he's weird and <laughs> everybody doesn't want to read. He doesn't want to do yoga. So he doesn't have to read. Yeah. And it's funny, like, you'd talk to your teacher, yeah. and, you know, first of all, her name wasn't Mrs. Anything. It was Sheila. <laughs> I was like, hey, Sheila, I don't feel like reading. How'd you end up at this place? My mom was kind of a welfare, you know, hippie, kind of depressed, pot-smoking, you know, valley Your parents hippie. were divorced? Yeah, my parents got divorced when I was about seven or eight. And my mom was like, they need to go to this free range hippie school and find themselves and not be not, you know, not be mashed into this cookie cutter by the man and his ideas and sure. his propaganda. She so, meant well, she meant, she meant well, well yeah. but the problem was, is the school didn't teach any fundamentals whatsoever. It was free range. The teachers were getting high and playing Joan Baez songs the, on it. The idea of free guitar. range. Yeah, so we just ran some, around. Some of you be finger painting, won't someone be making a pot and then you just be out in the yard kicking things. That's all I did, and at a certain point, I got the free range reign was over, and I had to go to public school, yeah. and I didn't know how to read. How, and how old were you? I entered in the fifth grade. And you really and, just had not done any of that, and the hippies didn't teach you how. I had, you know, people, it's this weird thing, getting back to race. Yeah. Um, you know, when a white guy can't read, he's dyslexic. And when a black guy can't read, it's like, oh, fell through the cracks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We yeah. let you down. So your system let him down. It's like, why can't he be dyslexic? Yeah. I, people refuse to well, realize that, that I just, I'm dumb like that way. I don't, right. I don't, I'm you not good. Have... I never learned. Well, there is dyslexia, isn't there? There is, but you don't, you're not born with the ability to read the English word. No. It is right. taught to you. Sure, you And if it learn. is not taught to you, you there's three or yeah. four different ways to spell there. Yeah. And believe you me, you ain't going to guess the right one That's right. if someone doesn't point it out to you early and often. Yeah. I had no idea. And then it was just a weird, shameful secret. Like, all right, now I'm in public school. People think I'm relatively bright. You are. I'm, I'm yeah. good at sports. Sure. I don't want to let anyone know that I'm an idiot. So, so I just sort of faked my way through, and because it was the L.A. Unified School District, it yeah, was yeah. like, all right, moving how on. Did, how did you fake it when you were asked to read out loud? That's always the big test. 
It was a it was okay. a, it was a lot of for me probably diffusing yeah. things with humor, right? Making a joke yeah. about not having my bifocals sure. and then handing it the book to the guy next to me or something yeah. like that. I had a moment where I was asked to read in a social studies class, and I was not a big pothead, but that day I'd smoke pot at lunch, and there was mm-hmm. no fucking way I could read, right? And I literally had to be excused to go to the nurse because I could not read out. <laughs> wow! I just said I I got to go to the nurse, and, and, I, and I was just because I was high. Wow. And so I just laid down for an hour and then I went back and it was very embarrassing. And did she write like his mail was harsh on the on the piece of paper that went back home <laughs> yeah, she or would... she diagnosed you at all at no, all? I, she would have if I went to that school you went to. No, I, I I don't know how I quite countered that. I just said I don't feel well, I can't read. And well, they let it go. Well, I managed to sort of duck, bob and weave my way through junior high and high school. You can charm school. yourself through school. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because if you're a funny guy and you're an athlete and you're popular, I mean, you can charm yourself through school. You probably did shitty in, like, chemistry, math. I didn't take chemistry. Math? Well, I took math. Yeah. But I never took algebra. Right. For instance, I, I, when, can't I do when I was in high school, yeah. I was taking high school math. Yeah. I mean, literally, I'm one of the only people I know who never took an algebra class. Yeah, Most know, people yeah. do in the eighth grade or seventh grade. I have no fucking idea. I went all the way through, and when I was in the 12th grade, I was taking high school math. Yeah. So I never learned anything. And then my parents were sort of poor and they didn't give a shit. And so when I got out of high school, I just sort of floated around, you know, yeah. taking odd jobs, digging ditches and cleaning. They really didn't give a shit like that. No, no. Do you, are they still alive now? Uh huh. Do they give a shit? No, <laughs> not really. I mean, not they're They don't. They hope that, you know, a piece of the Skylab doesn't crush me when I'm sleeping in my bed. I mean, but that's that's the only thing on their mind that I think they're that's the extent of it. I mean, they would never do anything for me. Yeah, they they would. It's that same thing you have with like your neighbor's kid. Like, I hope you're not raped, but yeah, I'm and I won't won't rape you, but I'm not going to I'm not going to follow you around. But do you talk to them? Yeah. And they, they like your kid. You have two kids, right? Mm-hmm. Are they good grandparents? Do they show I, up? I, like, I, I'll give you a couple of just uh, uh, good Corolla stories. You know, if you listen to my ca- podcast, you've heard these before. But if you listen to Mark's, maybe you haven't. Uh-huh. Um, my parents, for, you know, for instance, I wrote a book about three months ago that got to New York Times bestseller list. No one, no one has read it. Or if they have, I'm unaware. In 50 they, years, we're all going to be chicks? Yeah, something yeah. like close enough. What yeah. was it? 50 was it? years, we'll all be chicks, yeah. which is that good enough. And and they're like, they haven't read it, but I had two shows on basic cable. I had a show, I had the man show and Loveline at MTV and, and Comedy Central simultaneously for a couple right. of years, yeah. every night. Yeah. And uh, my mom announced to a crowded dinner table uh, I got another one of these flyers for cable in the uh, in the mailbox the other day, fourteen ninety nine. I, I don't know. She, and then she announced, "Can anyone give me one good reason why I should get cable?" <laughs> one. She ironically said, "One." Her son had two shows on cable at the time, yeah. but she looked and she was in all earnestness. Yeah. She looked at an entire group, and my family could not produce an answer. None Some, of them. Somebody said, uh, "There's cooking shows. You like to cook?" Yeah. Yeah. So no, they had. No interest, never have. And you were sitting there. I sat next to my mom with my entire family while I had two shows on basic cable. And she, she, no one in my family had cable. And by the way, their son having two shows on basic cable would not be enough 
motivation for them to get cable. Was that a financial thing or is it a hippie thing? Does she not watch television? I mean, no, they watch. She watches TV. And it, she, you know, but they're not together, right? So she, what? You, they're 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 tuned out coincidentally, but in their own separate lives. My, okay, oh, my, both my of family. Them. And what yeah. what did your old man do? He was uh, he played the trumpet for a while, and uh, then he got into sort of like special needs school teaching, and then later on, ironically, into psychology. But he was just never. He was just hands off. Like he never. I mean, he literally. My high school was across the street from the house I grew up in, yeah. North Hollywood High. Yeah. Uh, I was an all-Valley football player at North Hollywood High. Yeah. Um, I played both ways, offense, defense, special teams. I never left the field. And at the end, it was like I got best defensive player and all-Valley on offense and a few college scholarships to some, like, UC Davis and yeah. play places like that. Maybe Marshall was like school. the biggest school yeah. I got recruited to. My dad lived across the street, sat in his living room, reading a book. By by the way, I've, subsequently I've been in his living room on Friday nights when a game's going on. You can hear the you can hear the drums. You can see the fields yeah. lit up. <laughs> he didn't go to any games. He's reading a book on psychology of children. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm I, how to parent? Really, honestly, there should have just been an arrow pointing toward the fucking stadium, like a pop up. But now, does he not like me? No, he's he's fine with me. But was there that period? Like, cause my dad's selfish too. My mom's selfish. I mean, was it? Do you have? Do you find yourself having active? Like, I fucking fought my dad forever to try to get some sort of attention. Right. Well, I um, it would have never worked with my family. They well, would. How they many? Give how many are attention. You? Uh, me and my sister, my sister ran away when she was like 13 or 14. She was for good. Like, basically. Yeah. She Holy was like, shit. Fuck it. And there was no abuse. There was just sort of no. like, I, we don't, well, they don't care. The, the ultimate abuse is really, you don't exist. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you sort of, I mean, I, you got to go parent yourself. It's yeah. Sort of I what mean, I, I would rather have a cigar put out on me, let's say once a month than not existing. Like you like literally. Yeah, didn't yeah. exist. Yeah. Nice enough people, just they were in it for themselves, you know. So, so you must have that. Like, there's part of me that I don't see my parents just because they weren't great at parenting. I kind of see them as people I grew up with. Yeah, that's you, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, except for I was out of the house, so they were actually just people that you knew from across the way. Yeah, <laughs> like I didn't. They didn't cook. I didn't eat at home. I went to other people's houses. I ate. I hung out. I slept over at other people's houses. I was just. I was were, gone. Were you the friend of, uh, like, were your friend's parents like, yeah, that's Adam. His parents are weird. I, I would, uh, I, I never heard them speak yeah. about it out loud. They yeah. should have been rolling their eyes when right. my mom pulled up in her VW square back and hauled her fat ass out of it, you know, to come pick me up. But yeah, like, you know, I would say, hey man, I'm going to Chris's house on a Wednesday night to sleep over. His mom's making fried chicken. And my mom's just like, yeah. I mean, that was one more yeah. thing she didn't have to deal with. Oh, really? you know? So it was yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. my mom was depressed. My dad was sort of out of it. And it was just like, it was the 70s and, and then into the 80s. It was like, just raise yourself and get the fuck out. Like, how much of like, because like, I find that because of my, my uh, relationship with my parents that I've driven by an awful lot of anger. The, I, I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not fishing, but I just know that there was part of my personality as a comic and as a, as a broadcaster, as somebody that requires, because I think that in this, we have something in common in that what we do is about us. Mm -hmm. You know, sure. we require to we want to be seen. And I think that there if I can identify with what you're talking about, I felt a little bit erased 
by my parents' needs. You mm-hmm. know, they were very needy people, incapable of really separating. They needed things from you. Right. So right. that means, you know, I had to, you know, fight for a fucking sense of self. Right. And that there's part of this that I do and part of the comedy, which is like, it's just me going, I'm here. You must pay attention to me. Right. Now, Listen to me. Yeah. Do you, are, were you driven by any of that sort of compulsion or anger? My parents didn't need anything from their, right. their kids other than the, than to leave the <laughs> fucking house. <laughs> right. They, what they, about they spite, never... though? You didn't have spite? Well, I'll tell you what I had. Yeah. I, I mean, I was never... <clears throat> So there was never a sense of like make mommy feel good or make daddy feel whole again yeah. or you're not good enough for me or why do you do this to me? I could give I, you that. I, you I know my parents. Number? I, I would. It would be something. Yeah. I always used to say like I, I'm, like my dad never beat me because it would have been something. You know what I mean? He would have yeah. to get off the sofa that and would, put his book down. That would and, show he had feelings toward or, me. Of yeah, some, some kind. Some kind of feelings. And like yeah. people ask about yeah. religion and right. I'm like, that that would have taken effort. We would have had to go somewhere on a Sunday and worship or whatever. We didn't, there was nothing. And You uh, didn't identify yourself with it. Like I was identified as a Jew, but I never was taught what it meant. Like, you know, I never felt like I needed God. My parents were like, Look, if it involves effort, we're not doing it. So you kind of got lucky. It's like Tabula Rosa. You got, you know, you sort of got a blank slate. You had to put yourself together on your own. Uh, everything I am is a sort of composite of all that I've experienced, but none that has been foisted on me. Right. So obviously, we all know that if we grew up in, look, if you grew up in a certain part of Pennsylvania, you'd be Amish. And right. if you grew up in a certain part of Africa, you would you would be a Muslim, you know, and yeah. you'd you'd be praying, you know, you walk down Fairfax Boulevard and you see the Hasidim, I mean, they're eight years old sometimes, sure. yeah. full beards, yeah. and you're like, holy shit, sure. you know, and you're like, that that's all you would be. Yeah. The one good thing I can say about me is I was an etch a sketch. I got put in a paint can shaker. Like I was, there was nothing. And I, I get to I get to do you know I like cars, but that's not because my dad liked cars. But there must have been some dude. I mean, there, did you find there are pivotal people in your life? Because I know from having a, an old man that wasn't exactly present that there was sort of an ongoing search for for male role models. I I had my football coaches, like my pop Warner football coaches, yeah, yeah. I looked up to yeah, who yeah. sort of gave me discipline and drive and all that kind of stuff. And then there were my friends. Like yeah. I just had my friends or my buddies. Like, yeah. I always had a lot of friends and I ate at their house and slept at their house and <laughs> masturbated at their house on occasion. Not Thinking that, about their mom. Not in that order. Maybe making the chicken <laughs> was more, it was more like, Oh my God, you guys are serving pork chops. Like, <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Right. Right. Uh, and so that that's what I did. Just kind of floated. I just sort of floated around. But do you think that this this sort of the idea that you were built by your own will, which is sort of what you were mm-hmm. from what you're telling me about mm-hmm. now? Now, because the other thing I want to address, because I don't know that uh, we're even necessarily uh, with some political ideas that different, because there was always this concern with some of my fans that like if I got on your show that we'd have you know we'd argue politically. Mm-hmm. But I mean, what where do you stand with? Do you believe, like, you refer to your mother as a welfare mother. I mean, what what is, and it seems sort of loaded. Yeah. What does it mean to you? Well, my 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 grandmother was, a, you know, a pioneer welfare recipient, you know, sort of tip of the spear. And then my mother was. But and... were they abusers? No. What, but they were, I, here's what I saw from, from my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I still, I still see it. Um. And and I see it in myself, and I and I see it in others, and I see it especially in like lottery winners, which is 
as a, as human beings, we're sort of capable of amazing feats and or just rolling around in our own filth, eating Funyuns and watching cable. Like <laughs> I, I can do nothing or I can do anything. There there are days that I've had in my life that would fucking make you just stand up and get a boner and salute yeah, me. Yeah. And then there are days where I beat off nine times and <laughs> yeah. watch Telemundo sure. over and over again. Sure. Like there's just yeah. nothing there. So even within the same person, there you're capable of sort of everything That's and right. nothing. Sure. And I grew up uh, where my mother lived in my grandmother's second house, which was just a 800 square foot, one bathroom, one bedroom sort of rental flop house that she bought for like 10 grand in, you know, 1952. And she had a daughter that turns out was my mom who's pretty depressed and at some point just let her crash there eventually. And my mom crashed at this place. Um, she had no overhead because there was no mortgage to pay or no rent to go, go try to make. But you think she, she had meant psychological problems? I would, I would call her depressed, but yeah. I wouldn't say you know she's schizophrenic or anything like right. that. Just you know, my nice mild depression, yeah. good old enough. fashioned seventies yeah. sort of Billy Jack Indian kind of depression. And she between the free house and the welfare and the food stamps. She was essentially hobbled. She didn't have to get up, put herself together, look for a job, go to work, do anything. She was given just a stipend, just enough, just enough to survive, but never to thrive, just enough. It sort of reinforced, I feel like, her depression because all she did was put on weight. And every time she looked in the mirror, she saw a, a, a... a less of a person looking back at her. And then at a certain point, eight, 10 years in, it just became a way of life. But, but like doesn't I, that disregard the, the, the reality of, of psychological uh, illness that there you know, may have been a different time where they weren't able to, uh, to approach her with any sort of medication or she can get the proper attention. I mean, do you think that's coddling as well? I mean, no, it, no, look, obviously it's like, look for the people who are on, let's say disability, uh, a percentage of them need to be on disability. Yeah. They have legitimate workplace accidents or uh, reasons for one one reason or another why they're unable to work and support themselves. Right. Then there's the other 93% who mm-hmm. are just fucking depressed and strung out on pain meds mm-hmm. and dig themselves into a deeper hole. And by the way, once you have back pains, who, who the fuck knows whether it's in your head or in your back or, or in both of them? You yeah, know what you I mean? See, this you is you one need those, oxycodone. Right. Well, this is one of those areas where I like I, I there's part of me that agrees with you. But then there's also you know, an intellectual part of me that that that, you know, g- gets sort of worked up because I you know, I come my dad's a manic depressive. And you know, like I could have I don't believe I believe that I can work through that. I can that if I just focus and I and I put and I get my shit in line and I do my work that that's going to help me not mm-hmm. fall into even even if I'm not clinically or or biologically depressed that taking positive action will change the way I approach the world. I I mean, I think we all know that there's such a thing as being as mental retardation and then there's students in the inner inner city that are underachieving and when some guy like Jaime Escalante or whatever his name is from uh, uh, Lean on Me shows up and starts whipping these kids into shape and explaining to them you will do your homework and you're not bad at math and I need you here at 6 a.m. to study and then we're staying afterwards. Yeah. Somehow 
the worst student turns into a great student and is bound for college. Or if, God forbid, you watch like The Biggest Loser, you see these guys that come rolling in at 600 pounds and all of a sudden someone's in their face every morning at 6 a.m. telling you're getting up and you're getting on that treadmill and give me those goddamn sure, Cheetos. Sure. And all of a sudden you have a person that was like clinically depressed, whose heart was about to close off, who yeah, couldn't sit like up in bed. Yeah. And all of a sudden these guys are running on the treadmill and the right. theme from Rocky's playing right. behind. It's the same human being. Yeah. I'm just saying... You dropping off a bag of Cheetos and telling them, don't worry about the treadmill is probably just going to have a guy put on 20 pounds a year for the rest of his life. And I'm not saying that there aren't certain people that don't have a legitimate physical problem or a legitimate medical problem. But I'm telling you that for the majority of these people who are on the sofa and claim they have a bad back and a thyroid right. problem, what they need is a drill sergeant to come in there and tell them to get the fuck off the food time. It's and, time to go to work. And what about, what are your, your thoughts on it being a cultural problem? That, that, you know, that poverty breeds poverty, that, you know, there are, there are certain generational problems with living under that poverty line and that there are certain uh, things that are just passed on. Sure. And that, you know, that the hopelessness is, is almost... Uh, it comes with the territory. It is hopeless. And and, and as someone who is a, a product of that environment, you don't even know what success is. You don't know that you're allowed to succeed. Like, you don't know that's for other people and other families. Oh, that's interesting. It, it doesn't feel like it's for you. It's this sort of thing where... I'd go to other people's houses and I'd walk over to their fireplace and see a mantle, see a picture on the mantelpiece of them all in snow gear on t on top of, you know, mounts, Mount Bear Mountain over there. If they're all arms around each other, like holding skis while some stranger took a picture. And I'd Might say, well be what is this? Another planet. And they'd go like, well, we went skiing. <laughs> we went to Vail, Colorado last winter. I'd be like everyone together and they'd be like yeah <laughs> where, you, where do you get the skis like you buy them what and then what yeah <laughs> you, know, you own them like w w where'd you get that jacket with yeah. the goose down in it it's like you buy that who buys <laughs> these things like where are you going how your car how did your car make it up the hills like we flew you went on a plane like, right, it was right. like you don't know this world right. exists and when you live in that world, and look, it's 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 not about your skin color. It's just about the you look out your window, or or better or worse yet, look into your window from outside your house, and you just see a bunch of super depressed people going. You know what? Even if you did have it, the man would take it away from you. So, so don't yeah, even bother trying so, it. And there's a there's a psychological component that comes along with it, which is, you know, right. rich people are evil. And anyone who ever got rich is just there because he's polluting a river or somebody died and gave him a bunch of money like they don't. Well, how do you think that shifts without without you know breeding contempt of people that will you know dump their own resentment on you know, the, what they call the welfare state or whether it becomes racial or, or not? I mean, you know, as as a guy who thinks about this stuff, I mean, whose responsibility is it really? Well, ultimately and sadly, it's no different than the show I hate because I can't stand seeing the commercials at dinner time when I'm eating when the guy has the huge areolas and he pulls his shirt off and there's 500 pounds of man boobs standing there. But ultimately, the biggest loser, that that model will work for society, which is some obnoxious asshole who weighs 164 pounds yelling at you to get off your ass. You're not fucked up. Your back's good enough. 
get put down that fried chicken, get on the treadmill. I don't so, care if you're not good enough. You can just walk on it. Let's get it going. So does someone like you believe then in the idea, like, you know, Obama's idea of, of a public works movement to get, you know, to like an FDR type of thing to get people working, you know, at the behest of the government to rebuild the infrastructure of the cities and that kind of stuff yeah. would be something that could work in that way. Yeah, the, the, thing, the thing is, here's what I know. I know that the sedentary life creates depression almost immediately. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it, I know it, that. It's insane. Like, you and I... It's happened to me, though. I mean, I oh, felt yeah. in my life. I mean, you've been trying to be in show business for a long time, and you've, sure. there were periods there where you weren't succeeding, and, and anybody who knows or can relate to, you know, masturbating four times a day and eating, uh, you, know, you know, snack foods until you pass out, uh, you know, for weeks on end, I mean, you've been there, have Sure. <laughs> I've masturbated with the snack food. Yeah, Funyuns are not. You know, I put the fun in Funyuns, sure, right? You got to mix things up, you know. <laughs> no, no, but here's what I'm saying: you could achieve all that you can achieve, and 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 go out on the road. You go to Caroline's. You do six six sets. Six I just got back from there, Minnesota today. Kick the shit out of the audience. Yeah. They love every second. Right. You come back. You turn your ankle. You're in bed for two, three days. Yeah, you end up you end up drinking beer and watching too much. Uh, let's make a deal, and you're immediately depressed again. Like mm -hmm. it can it can wear off like that. I mean, people are essentially like sharks that need to keep moving and keep sure. swimming and that... forward. And you take somebody and you take someone like my mom, and you go, you know what? Take a year off. Here's a welfare check, and they never get back out there. But that, I think also the guys you see on those shows that like unless somebody stays on top of them, you're going to slip. I, it takes a certain amount of diligence. It, it's like with AA, I mean, you spend enough time with Dr. Drew. Sure. That, you know, if you don't stick by it, eventually your wiring's going to win. Well, and there's nothing yeah. you can do about that. But I guess the, the other thing I wanted to, to talk about, like, in terms of your fans and my fans, like, I have people, like, I get this, I go out on the road now. And it's very interesting. Uh, it happened again in, in Minnesota. The club owner said, look, you sold a lot of tickets, but I've, I've really never sold this many single tickets. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, I get dudes that come alone because they, you know, a lot of my fans are, you know, they, they function in the world. They're artistic or they're they're doing things, but they're depressives. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I, my, because my dad was manic depressive, I'm wired to really specifically entertain in some way depressive people Very interesting I've, I've had guys come up to me and say look i'm bipolar and i listen to your three cds when i'm depressed and it helps me right but i just think that there's a difference like i know that they're paralyzed in a certain way because of their mental emotional state but it seems to me that on the other side of that you get guys that are similar but they manifested in anger mm -hmm. and they manifested in like you know fuck the world yeah, right. there's a difference between fuck the world and fuck me. I mean, ang you know, depression is anger turned inward. Right. Right. So I, I think that they we're sort of talking about a similar type of dude. It's just it's going the other way. Well, uh, I mean, first off, you have to you have to think about the delivery system. The folks that listen to podcasts in general probably are a little more isolated and a little more in their own space in their own head i mean just forget about whose podcast just sure, the idea sure. well, I'm, I'm talking about guys in general you know because I, I like i look at you as a, a dude who's a guy's guy you know and i you know there's part of me that you know i i have that in me but i've gone this you know I've, I've got cats and i was i was hoping you didn't come over before i finished my bowl of puffins with soy milk sure. so i mean i have those insecurities i love cats by the way oh good i don't you know the the, the thing is is i i, I think we're constantly trying to put 
everyone and everything into a compartment in our mind because that's what we do. I mean, that's what human beings do. There's you just you have to find a compartment for everything. But and, you, but in the core of like you just wrote this book about you know what what's going to become of men. It's a you know it's a it's a humorous book. Yeah, but book. The, the reality of that book is. That was a title that they say, look, you got to come up with a title. Okay, right. And you're like, okay, funny shit Adam thinks about when he's driving. That's not a title. I, they, we need a title that we can hang our hat on. And the reality is the book's just a bunch of my musings, okay. some jokes, and some 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 stories from the past. But the, the point is this. I, I just want to be clear on this. Yeah, I'm nobody. I'm not this guy or that guy. Yeah. I'm a composite of a million guys. Yeah. I love cars. Yeah. I also love cats. <laughs> I also love building. Yeah. I also love sitting around with my wife and watching the Real Housewives of Atlanta. I fucking cry my brains out if I see a Special Olympics ad on on at night, especially if I have a couple of yeah. couple of glasses of white wine in me. The, uh, I will fight you <laughs> if you cut me off in traffic. If you want, you know, I'm not that dude or this dude, or I'm just right. I'm me. And, right. and what we try to do is we go, oh, that's him. Oh, that's his audience. Yeah. Oh, that's what he said. Right. If you go to my show, it's fifty percent chicks. Yeah. Every time yeah. it's old guys, it's young guys. There's old couples. There's single yeah, angry I, dudes. I, yeah. It's all it's mixed i'm surprised quite honestly at the crazy diversity of of the white people in the crowd but old young there's black guys and a a lot of asian dudes like just guys where you go like i'm thinking to myself as they're coming up after show one an autograph like what the fuck are you doing here 50 something year old woman i feel that too they're just they're just there so i this this idea where you have to put everyone into their compartment is, is probably something that we do as human beings and it's probably unnecessary. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I and I find the same type of thing when people listen to me. And I and I guess I I am drawing these lines only because I'm responding to certain people that drew lines initially when I started podcasting. But I think what I'm asking you for my for myself, and just as a, as as a guy who who is not that much different than me in some ways, is that it seems to me that depression and the type of anger that you see, like th- there are some dudes, you know, who are just you know angry dumb dudes. Sure. And that I, you know, I have to assume that a lot of that comes from the same place as, as a dude that's going to beat the shit out of himself, that there's fear, there's depression, there's who the fuck knows what it's a, it's an inability to sort of own up to your own, you know, sadness or fear or, or, uh, emotional place in the world. Yeah, there's that. And there's just breeds like there's breeds of dogs, you, you th- know, do you think that's true? Oh yeah. I, I, I definitely think that, you, you know, mean types of genetic types of people. Oh, absolutely. Not necessarily race, but just the genetic types of people. I've, I've noticed that myself. Well, like- I don't, you know, look, there's there's a hundred species of sharks and bull sharks are fucking aggressive. Like if you're in the water with a bull shark, you're fucked. And if you're in the water with a nurse shark, you're, you're not fucked. It's yeah. not this bull shark. It's yeah. a happy bull shark. Sure, and that nurse sure. shark's a cunt. Yeah. That's a, yeah, it's a well-adjusted bull shark. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about him. <laughs> that one looks angry. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't no. pre- wasn't properly parented. I, I'm just saying, in the animal kingdom, there are honeybees, and then there's Africanized killer bees, sure. and sometimes hard to tell, but the difference... And then there's the ones that got bred sort of in between. Right. And there's bees, and there's hornets, and there's they're, they're bears that do nothing but sift through garbage, and then they're ones that fucking dismantle men. I mean, it, it's all... We see in in breeds of dogs, you know? You have a Labrador, they're normally pretty docile, whatever, and then they're dogs like uh, chows that are a little more aggressive. Right. And so people, cultures, yeah. and people 
They have their own wiring. Right. I mean, they just literally do. To con- to do that thing where it's like every culture is going to be the same. No, they're not going to be the same. I just think- like every breed of shark is not going to be the same. They'll all be sharks. I think that's be true. a little bit different. I think that's true. And, and well, and also the difference between the, the sharks and the dogs and, and the bees is that uh, they never say like, is this wrong? Right. <laughs> and the thing is, is we do accept it in every other form of species on the planet. You do the thing where you go, that snake is docile and non-venomous. Right. This snake is very aggressive and very dead. It'll take down a horse. You, right. know, you know what I mean? Like, so stay away from this. Don't worry about that. But yeah, but, but again, humans have the template of civilization and law to, to make those decisions for them. We, we do expect a certain amount of non-killing behavior from our people across the street. I would say, right, and it'd be nice. But ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, I mean, again, yeah. I don't have a religion. Sure. I, I know that there's a certain, I just believe in sort of nature, and there's a certain amount of uh, our species needs to be gay, and mm-hmm. not reproduce, mm-hmm. and a certain amount of them needs to kill others in our species. Sometimes the gay people, sometimes the gay get people behind a pickup people. truck. But either way, yeah. we're going to limit our population. Although I would argue killing the gay people is a push because they're not repopulating right. the, the place. But I do have this. Oh, so you actually think that there is some sort of like? Uh, see, I've always felt that the lack of available and reasonable health care in our country was the way to sort of keep the poor at, at the. At the number that the uh, the the people with money would keep them at. Well, there there was a thing, and there is a thing, and it's and it's interesting, which is you know when they say, you know, when you, whenever there's a movie that involves a time machine, yeah, they always tell you when you go back in time, yeah, do not screw around with anything. Right. You know, what I mean, you right. might you, you yeah. may throw off the course yeah. of civilization, right? Yeah. But then, if you take a look at like us dropping off sacks of grain everywhere to exit to cultures that would have killed imploded on themselves right. by now, in a weird way, aren't we fucking with that? Like, aren't we taking a culture that's hell bent on imploding and keep and enabling them to reproduce and perpetuate this? Well, I guess. Okay. Well, that's an interesting uh, way to look at it. I, I don't know. I think that you're hoping that they like, not unlike uh, somebody helping uh, your mom out or helping other people out that they'll rejigger themselves into to a functioning system. And, and just like my mom, the, the rejigger part, comes and i should stop saying jigger so many times when i'm talking about this culture so i will slip up eventually but the the point is is what should here's what should come with the welfare check and my mom or the sack of grain uh-huh. and the rejiggering yeah, process sure. which is look uh mom here's your welfare check um, I'm also going to need you to come down and put in a certain amount of hours over at the welfare office painting the side of the fucking thing so you can feel like you've earned this. It's not a it's not a gift. You got to earn it. And by the way, you're not don't do it for us. Do it for you. And as far as the sack of grain that's being dropped off, we're also dropping off some Norplant because you guys are breeding faster than we can keep the grain coming. I think they so, do that though. I think that it, that happens. It 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 should it should it should it should be more prevalent because whenever you hear the discussions of you know the Bill Gates and his wife are heading down it's never sure. heading down with a C130 full of condoms right. it's always we're bringing the books and we're bringing the grain well, you know who which does I'm that? all about but let's start limiting the population growth here well you know who does that is the guy who owns Adam and Eve 
Oh, really? Yeah, I, I think I, you know, I did some research on him. He's an interesting dude, man. A lot of the money that that he gets from uh, from Adam and Eve, if I'm not mistaken, goes into providing condoms and birth control education in Africa. Wow, I, he's love- a he's an interesting philanthropist. That guy. It is uh, sadly that's the, more the exception than the norm because you don't see specials on 60 Minutes from from the Adam and Eve guy. Well, sometimes you do, <laughs> but you know, they usually make it a little, you know, like he's a good guy most of the time, but he also does this. You know, when you talk about depression and you talk about people who, you know, like should be able to get up and work and stuff. I mean, they're, they, it, it's getting harder, period. I mean, isn't it? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll put it to you this way. When I was, um, it's sad because when, you know, they do, you see the news and they go highest unemployment since 1983, worst economy since 1983. Sure, sure. And then I go, hmm, 1983, that's when a 19-year-old Adam Carolla with uh, barely a high school diploma and parents that didn't give a shit was wandering around North Hollywood going to construction sites asking if they needed trash to be picked up for, you know, six bucks an hour. Like, that's when I was trying to get a job. And it, it was it, f- it was fucking horrible. Like, I was going into supermarkets going, you, you, could I box some groceries? No, we're but not it, hiring. Like, they wouldn't hire anybody. Right, right. But eventually, I got the world's shittiest job. I got a job cleaning carpets in the middle of the night in restaurants with illegals getting paid $6 an hour and having the tax. I got taken advantage of, essentially, because that's what the economy dictated. Right. And then I got a job digging ditches, probably about four miles from here in Silver Lake, for 7 bucks an hour. And that's that's the only thing. And you were on the books. That I, I was. But <laughs> so that was, you're that, saying. That's the only that's only that's the only thing that was out there. I but, mean, it was but, horrible. The conditions were horrible right. and they were dangerous and I was taken advantage of, but I had no choice. Like, right. I, I didn't have parents that would take care of me. I didn't right. have my welfare check or anything. Sure. And I would just go from place to place. And eventually I stuck with it. And I stuck it out. I, I remember my boss said, I'll pay another buck an hour if you buy a pickup truck. And I bought a piece of shit pickup truck. And then next thing you know, I got a couple of tools. And then next thing you know, I'm a carpenter and I'm able to sort of, get along but i was forced into it and i wouldn't have done it i Do, mean if i right. my stepmom wasn't trying to kick me out of the garage yeah oh you had a stepmom too that was yeah trying. bad bad news but i'm just <laughs> i'm just <laughs> I, you know i'm I, i'm just saying this that i do believe people are capable of a lot or nothing and i think if you create an environment where you ask them to do that that they will rise to the occasion. Mm. Or if you create an environment where you ask nothing of them, they will sink to that as well. So, all right. But the the, the other thing about, you know, the, the atheist thing and the God thing is just, I mean, it seems to me that people do have a fundamental need to believe in something, to be sure. part of something. They're scared, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they're scared. And also, I think on some level, uh, it defines them somehow. Yeah, uh, that like I read this book called The Denial of Death, which uh, was a, was a great book. It's a very smart book that people want to be part of some feel part of something bigger. So they feel like they are not just meaningless. Right. Right. Well, it's and that it, could be football. Yeah. It's <laughs> scary being a human being, you know, because we're aware of our mortality. And sure. Yeah, it, I get it's that. a bummer, you know. So, yeah. But I mean, I, I don't have any problem with that. I got an email from a guy yesterday about a show I did in Minnesota that couldn't believe I would. He, I think he put it. Uh, bring bring the the living God, Jesus Christ, into my filth act. <laughs> <laughs> he called it a filth act. Wow. Just couldn't believe it. Yeah. 
I, I obviously it's a fairy tale and he doesn't exist. And I, I, I do believe that the people that claim to believe don't believe. Otherwise, they wouldn't get quite as violent about it sure. when you tell them you don't believe. And that goes for other cultures as well. It's a, and it's also a, a political system. So wait, sure. now tell me about this mean stepmom. How we miss that? She wasn't mean. She was just sort of indifferent, really. And she wanted, she took a page out of my dad's uh, playbook and she wanted. Which this was, was your dad's which, wife? Which was no playbook, by right. the way. Uh, my dad's wife, and when I was like 19, she sort of wanted the floppy, rudderless teenager to get the fuck out of the garage yeah. where I was living. Yeah. And go, and I didn't know it, but like I said, 1983 was the worst economy since now. So it was but, like I couldn't find a gig. Do you, but do you think that, are you saying that in essence, though, that do you think that there are plenty of jobs for people to have? I mean, I mean, do you have sympathy for these people that do not? are unable to find jobs, even if they're trying. I, I know people that will have difficulty finding work, and I know people that will never be out of work. And that's not really about the system or society. I used to, I worked with carpenters my whole life. There were carpenters that were hardworking motherfucking guys who just did everything right, and they showed up early, and they were the last guy off the job site, and they were good at what they did, and they took pride in what they did. And those guys are never out of work. There's no matter what the economy is, they're never a good carpenter is always, always busy. Right. And then once in a while, I'd pick up some dude hitchhiking or something. He'd see my truck and he'd, he'd be like, hey, man, you do. Hey, I and I'd go, well, what do you do? And they'd be stucco, drywall, plumbing, uh, tin knocking, sheet rocking, rough electrical, rough plumbing, finish work. Man, I do it all. Roofing, foundation, earthquake rehab. And I'm good, too. And I'd be thinking, no, you're not. You're not <laughs> you good. You can't do all those things. Not A, can you not be good at all those yeah. things? And B, you wouldn't be hitchhiking and asking me for a gig if you're good. Hey, <laughs> you, we know funny guys that are yeah, working sure. and funny guys that aren't working. And you show me, I'm not I'm not guaranteeing you're going to be fucking Ryan Seacrest. I'm just saying you may not pack, you know, you may not be Dane Cook and fill up Madison Square Garden. Right. But we know when a guy's funny and he busts his ass and he's out on the road every weekend and he's going getting up every night, that guy's going to pay his bills. Yeah, but for a while, you know, life beats you up in weird ways. You never know how it's going to come at you. I, I basically feel like everybody and, and it's 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 tough because but and the only reason I speak freely yeah. about this is I was in that position. Like right. you, you, I had no choice and I just went from place to place and I said, I will pick up garbage. Sure. And, but you're a talented guy and, and you got a certain amount of focus and you're you. But, you know, some people need help. And, and I that's understand just the way that. Yeah. No, I, I, I can dig it. I think the only difference we have politically is I think the way to help those people is to go, hey, yeah. motherfucker, there's nothing right. wrong with you. Dispatch a team let's, of coaches. Go do it. To go, Yeah, to go to neighborhoods. I am saying um, but that could go to the educational system. There's, yeah, there's, can go there's with places in there's, yeah, these, there's structures in place where that's supposed to be happening. I, I agree, and and these these students that are you know underachieving can the same the same student can can overachieve. It's just who's going to. All right, let's talk about chicks before we run out of time. Let's right. talk about women. All right, because like you know we had a minor discussion, a brief discussion about that on on your show. Mm -hmm. I've obviously been married twice. I have no children. Uh, I think that I. I have a great appreciation for women, but clearly in my behavior, I, I don't know that I've been the best husband or the best man. And certainly I don't think of myself as somebody who puts all women into one basket. 
mm-hmm. uh, and judges them in a certain way. But I got to be honest with you, as I as I get older, I find that I do attract a certain type of women <laughs> that sure. might be a little nuts. Yeah. Now, when it comes to accusations of sexism uh, on behalf of of uh, people who who criticize you without knowing you, how do you respond to that? Fuck you, cunt. <laughs> I don't know how to respond. No, I, I, you know, look, here's, here's the, uh, here's the thing. I, I realize that men and women are different and, you know, we live in this fucked up society where we're constantly celebrating our diversity, like, oh, the different cultures and the diverse cultures and all that. But the second you point out that uh, this guy's a little faster than that guy and that guy jumps a little higher than that guy or that guy's a little better at math, then all of a sudden your celebration of diversity party goes right into the fucking garbage. some sort of politically incorrect. Yeah, and if you make some joke like uh, how is point? the world's fastest people or the world's slowest pedestrians, Mm -hmm. everyone thinks you're an asswipe. But then everyone thinks about it and goes, well, it's kind of true. So I'm just just commenting on it. Women, they're... They're much more different than men. You know, black men and black and white men and Asian men are a hell of a lot, have a hell of a lot more in common than men and women do. I right. mean, they're they're different species yeah, yeah, than they, we they, are. They and are, they think yeah. differently than yeah. we are. And they react to different stimulus and so on and so forth. And I, I think the sooner you put your brain into into them and stop trying to think about how you would react. And, and I'll give you I'll give you a real good example. Uh-huh. Uh sexually yeah. for instance um guys and, and at least we probably got some of this out of our system but there's a certain point let's say you're a guy you're 25 years old and when it comes to sex yeah you're essentially like a dog mm-hmm. and when i don't mean a dog like you're, you're my dog with a w i mean i mean like a pet like i come home my dog will be sitting there i'll roll my dog over on its back i'll start slapping its belly come on who's a you know grab that scruff around its neck and start paddling it come on who's it gonna push her down knock her around a little yeah that scratch on her back that's Uh almost almost drawing blood and her foot's moving around she loves it she loves it right now that's the way a guy wants to be handled like grab that cock you know yank it off go at it go sick spit on it you know what i mean (laughs) yeah then you think about a cat yeah. If you come running at a cat, like I'm going to knock you down or rub that belly. Yeah. That cat's like, I'm, I'm getting on top of the refrigerator. I keep insisting on doing that with my cat. Right. And yeah. that's why cats, by the way, when a toddler comes over to the house, they go, I'm going up to yeah. the fridge. Not I, dealing I, I with this shit. Fucking yeah. three-year-old rubbing, <laughs> yeah. pulling one of my yeah. ears off. Right. Right. So you now, as a dog, think, I'm going to take that cat. Yeah. And I'm going to handle it just the way I like to be handled. Right. And you're freaking the cat out, and the cat's chafing. And uh, you think about a cat. Uh, you sit there. What do you do with a cat? You sit in the room. You don't jump on that. You don't pounce on the cat. Right. You sit there and they, let the cat come up to sure. you. And then once the cat comes up, it's a little curious. Don't make any sudden movements. You'll uh-huh. freak the cat out. Yeah. Put your hand down slowly and start stroking <laughs> okay, the cat yeah, nice yeah. and evenly. Yeah, uh-huh. And the cat will ap- apply pressure where the cat wants the pressure it's not you're not gonna start cranking its tail up and grabbing its ears and twisting it and all that kind of shit and so as sexually it's easy to figure out but spiritually and psychologically it's the same thing we want different things and i think the biggest problem comes is when you start thinking why aren't you thinking like me why don't you do what i do and why don't you think yeah, like yeah, I yeah, think? Yeah. And they do the same thing back to us. Yeah. Shit that doesn't mean anything to us means a shitload to them. And I always say it with like, you take you take like a gift. 
always talk about this. Like if you said, if I said, I want a new cordless drill and you said, I want a new ashtray or whatever you, you call it. I need a new microphone. Mm-hmm. If your girl went and got it for you the yeah. next day and just presented it to yeah. you, you wouldn't give a fuck if she bought it retail or pulled it out of the retarded neighbor kid's house. Right, yeah. It wouldn't matter. It's like, right. oh my God, I asked for this and here it is. Thank this is you. awesome. Yeah. Now I have a drill. You have a microphone. Yeah. We're happy. Now, chicks, they say they want flowers, but not if you're a florist. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was dating a chick once. Her favorite artist was Tori Amos. Yeah. I was at a radio station. That's, that's hard. Someone gave Tori Amos. I know <laughs> yeah. I should have seen that one coming. Tori Amos gave some yeah. a fan gave Tori yeah. Amos some flowers. Right. Tori left them behind. Right. I took them home to yeah. my girly. Uh-huh. I said, sweetie, here's some flowers. She was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. For nothing. It's not yeah. even my birthday or right. anniversary. I said, right. no, flowers. And she said, oh, this is great. Let me put them in some water. And I said, guess who, they're, guess who they were for? And she went, what do you mean? I said- these flowers, even better for your favorite, Tori Amos. And she's like, fuck you. And I'm like, what? That's If somebody had given me yeah. flowers that were meant for Graham Parker or John Hyde or something yeah. like that, I would have been like, oh, even yeah. better. Now I have flowers that were meant for a guy right. I like to listen to. Yeah. Nope. Right. Fuck that. Because well, it wasn't your, you didn't think of it on your own. I, I, right. But I was yeah. thinking like me. Yeah. Not like them. Right. You see what I'm saying? Sure. It's not about the flowers. It's about the effort it took for you to get the flowers, although you just lifting them off the sofa because Tori Amos left them is no effort. Sure. Bringing a present that someone left behind in the dressing room. Doesn't mean anything. Whereas for guys, we're we're, we're bottom line. Yeah. Bottom line, free Free shit. good. That's it. Yeah, I think I I just, uh, I I think that's, I as I get older, I, I, I find that I didn't really understand a lot of, that i mean obviously every woman's going to be a little different but there is fundamental things that you need to learn in order to behave properly and, and have a decent you, relationship you don't even need to learn uh i, in, in, I do in, in, in I a do. sense well not learn <laughs> but do. what i mean is you just basically learn like a guy who's you know like probably like uh like like um uh, I was thinking of like Rodney King learn next time you get pulled over, don't go flying out of the car because mm. you're going to have eight guys kicking you in the head. Like the deal is, is I don't want to do the things I do with my wife. I've, I figured out, oh, that's what she wants. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's sad. Right. You know, she thinks, oh, this is a, a genuine gesture. Right. No, for me, it's more like you got to do this, even though it goes against every fiber in your body. Compromise. Because that's the language yeah. that she speaks. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it was an interesting analogy, but I, I I still think that maybe the cops shouldn't have behaved like that. No, they shouldn't have. But you're still gonna get it. I, well, they're cops are assholes. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks, Adam Carolla. I appreciate you coming out. It's uh, been a pleasure, Mark Marin. That's our show. Hope you like Adam Carolla. I enjoyed talking to him. It's interesting when you have two people who basically live their lives on the mic actually engage in a conversation. It was great talking to Adam. I hope you enjoyed that. Go to WTFPod.com. Get on that mailing list. Kick in a few shekels. Go get our apps, the WTF apps for iPhone, iPad, Droid, or the other thing. iPod Touch. That's it. Go to JustCoffee.coop. Get yourself some of that, some WTF blend, and I'll get a little kickback on that. Go to, go to the WTF Pod shop. Some premium episodes up there. A lot of great stuff coming up. We've got a lot of great interviews prepared. I hope you had a good time. I'm in Atlanta. I'm going to sleep. Sleep.